What's going on, fam? And welcome back to another edition of Sunday School. We're in the living room, and I have a recurring, well, she, not a recurring guest, but she's coming back again. She's back in the living room with me, my friend, Caitlin Johnson. Tell the people who you are. Introduce yourself again for somebody who might not know. Hello, everyone. My name is Caitlin Johnson. I am a Jesus lover, and <laughs> I live in Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> That's what's up. And on today, I'm going to be churchy since it's Sunday. On today, um, we're going to talk about the duality of self-care and therapy um, and being a Christian. So many times, Kayla, as you know, we grew up on the altar, fasting and praying and tearing for the Holy Ghost. And all of that stuff is great. Like, I wouldn't trade my spiritual upbringing for anything. I love the little small church we grew up in and the family feel and the vibe. And they gave me a really great foundation for my theology and my faith. How be ever <laughs> as, as I grew up and matured and began to like do research and kind of figure some things out on my own, I understood that everything that, you know, I struggled with, my friends struggled with, wasn't always sin per se, right? Sometimes right. it was like life had been tough and, you know, I could be on the altar and maybe dance in the moment because I know God's going to get the glory. But what happens when I go back to my dorm room and I'm still sad or what happens when I'm, you know, facing this really bad breakup and, you know, saying Jesus is my everything ain't making me feel better <laughs> because as, as humans, we were made to have, you know, partnership and things of that nature. Right. So let's just talk real quick. I know that you're an advocate for self-care. Let's just talk um, real quick. Tell us about your journey, how you got into self-care and, and self-betterment. All right. So um, I'll say since about eighth grade, uh, I struggled with depression and really didn't understand why um, a lot of the issues that I was having was just feeling like I was spoiled, but it was something deeper than that. Yeah. And growing up in the church, I've always heard, well, you know, you too blessed to be stressed or did you pray about it? Have you talked to God about it? Which is not a bad thing to say, but there's still something more there. Yeah. You know, um, I I would do the same thing. I'm shouting at church. I'm excited about, you know, the word of God. And then I get back in my home and I'm down and I don't know what to do about it. So that's really what prompted me to start mm -hmm. my journey. Um, and I actually started therapy uh, January of last year. And I meet with her once a week <clears throat> and we've gotten this process started. Okay. So how has, I guess, how has that helped you? Like, I guess now, as opposed to maybe what you were dealing with teenage college, right? So now I'm actually able to take a situation and, and break it down all the way to see what the root of the problem was mm -hmm. versus just looking at the whole picture and just saying, oh, well, you were just being sensitive in that moment and not actually understanding the why. So mm -hmm. my goal now is to find the why in the situation and why a reaction was a certain way in order yeah. to, for me to move forward. So and, and I guess that's and I have a very similar um, st I started about. Ooh, it's almost my one year, like September-ish last year when I started therapy. And it was just me. It was just a culmination of things, like stuff that I had left untreated, conversations I never had and things like that. Uh, people who know me know that I suffer with hyper-productivity. I have to be doing something. Um, even in my nothingness, I find myself doing something. <laughs> and I mm -hmm. talked about it last week. 
in the Sunday school episode, we, we were talking about dealing with trauma. Um, and I brought it up how I had my first panic attack, you know, working for the church. And even after that moment, I didn't, you know, start there, but I just, I took the, pres- the prescribed pills <laughs> to, to calm myself <laughs> down. Um, but I didn't do anything afterwards. And to your point, I want, I wanted to find the why, like, was I, was I struggling with anxiety in that moment really because I wanted to be perfect or was I trying to prove a point, which leads to a bigger issue? Like, why did I need to prove that point? Why did I have to show my pastor this? Why did I have to show the church that? And I think so many times it's stigmatized in the black church when we struggle with our mental health, right? Uh, Because like you said, why aren't you, you, you too blessed to be stressed and I could have thousands of dollars in my bank account. I could have the clothes that I want, driving the car that I want, living with, you know, the house that I want to live in and married or be dating whoever I want to date and still not feel a sense of fulfillment and purpose. So how have you dealt with, I guess, the stigmas that come with being a Christian and being in therapy? Really, it took me telling myself that you're not not saved because of this because that's, that's a, a big stigma mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a stigma in itself well if you're dealing with this or you're feeling like this or you're being attacked by these things you must not really be saved because right. we know the word says xyz and once you get the naysayers out you know that that's the start of it and then actually mm-hmm. start talking to god about your healing and what are some things that you can do to you know compartmentalize where you need to go with this thing yeah that's true and i think sometimes we think that or the church tries to tell us that it's it's um but and or when it's really and both Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can have, I really believe after you leave the altar, a lot of times your next level of discipleship is not necessarily walking with mother so-and-so to give you check-ins every now and then. I think sometimes that next level of discipleship is sitting on someone's couch and really mm-hmm. processing what you've just been, de- you know, delivered from. So let's say, you know, bring a little comedy in this. I think that was, a, that was a clip. <laughs> uh, I forget. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say it was at a convocation because crazy stuff happens at coaching convocations at our convocation. I grew up coach, so I can talk about us. Um, <laughs> but uh, they passed the, they passed the mic to this lady <laughs> and she was saying, I was giving all the sex with my mouth. And, and <laughs> <laughs> and even though, you know, we laugh at it because one oral sex, you know, kind of already assumes it was, it was done with your mouth, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, at the, but at the same time, you know, that was her way of expressing her truth, what she had been delivered from right now in that many times, like the man did, they, they would have just took the mic and set her down, but where are the people who would have won probably tried to have a conversation to say, all right. Now that we're here, how can we make sure that this is not, you know what I'm saying, your next, like you don't go back into that environment if this is something that you really want to be delivered from. Like talk through that. Have you ever had the experience where you were on the altar, you know what I'm saying, maybe you didn't confess it over the mic <laughs> like she did, <laughs> but you knew in your heart, you know, what you felt like God has just delivered you from. But then how do you deal with fighting those temptations or, you know what I'm saying, fighting whatever battle that you think you just got out of, or you believe you just got, I won't say think, because we have faith, huh, glory. (laughs) We definitely (laughs) have faith. Yeah. Um, There was, I'm going to take you a little, I'm going to take you down a little dark road. 
Okay. I want to prepare you. Let me get my flashlight. There was, <laughs> there was a time a couple years ago where, you know, I, I thought I was over this. I'm like, okay, cool. God, you healed me. I am good. Mm-hmm. I'm moving forward. And um, I think it was January of 17. I used to struggle with masochism. And mm-hmm. um, for those who don't know, that means that um, I would inflict pain upon myself. And I was thinking that I was good. I'm living this good, holy life. And one day I just got so down that something that I didn't do for years, I had reopened a wound. I reopened a wound that I had already had on myself physically. And I reopened a wound that was in my heart and I did it again. And it broke me. Mm -hmm. It broke me to a point to where I was like, God, I cannot do this again. And I made a promise to him on that day that I would never do it again. And I'm sticking to that. But it really took me getting to that level of nothingness and being able to express to God, this is what I need from you because I can't do it. Caitlin has already tried. I need you to do it. And it's it's so interesting that you said that because there is, I think there's always a level of dependency that we'll always have on God, especially if that's your faith, right? We can't, we can't live life without him. You know what I'm saying? We can't survive. We can't thrive without him, his help, his strength. I don't think we were built that way. As a matter of fact, right. I know we weren't built that way, right? Um, but just to you know, take that a point further, I think so many times in the church when you hear about situations like that, and you know, we, I applaud your strength for being able to tell the story. Um, but even in situations like that, like you said, people will be ridiculed for saying that they wanted to hurt themselves. Or I mean, but we have, but what we have to really look at if we take out, I'm, let's 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 deal with theology here, right? Because here, okay. here's the thing: if we take out the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The betrayal of Judas, right? All right. The fact that he the fact that he betrayed his brother affected him so much that he ended up committing suicide. Right. And I think that's one of the moments that we don't really deal with. In the church, we always say that, you know what I'm saying, you know that prophecy is being fulfilled when your Judas come up. There's always a Judas. And, and I believe that those things are true, right? Mm-hmm. I do believe that when you are getting ready to make your next level, because you can look at the cross really as a level of elevation. He had completed his work. He was going to fulfill the prophecy. He was going back to his father, right? So all these different things. And then Judas comes up. And that happens with us in life, right? You're on right. your way. You're doing good stuff. You're ready for the next level. You're about to finish this last, you know, your, this, this next big trial. It's going to be the one that's going to elevate you, right? And then, boom, here comes somebody trying to shut you down because they know what's about to happen. So I believe that part of Judas is, is true. I also believe um, if you look, I can't remember which specific gospel it is, but one of the gospels specifically says that when Judas betrayed Jesus, that the devil entered him. Mm-hmm. So while it was already prophesied that it would happen, there was another exchange that happened in Judas's heart. And I believe that oftentimes that when we do find ourselves so close to God, Judas was a disciple, right? So close right. to God, walking with him, living out this word, I do believe that the enemy can sometimes infiltrate our minds, our thoughts, our thinking, our patterns. And if we don't have a strong enough will, faith, right, to overcome it, then I do believe that's where God equips therapists and counselors to help us to have coping mechanisms and tools to get back in space. Now, right, if, 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 if I can recognize that it's the enemy, then I can't pray that thing away. 
But what happens when my flesh is just like, it's, it's literally just a flesh moment or I am, it is part of a bigger struggle or a bigger, because we can look at the Judas thing as jealousy. We can look at the Judas thing as a number of different emotions. So what therapy could do in moments like that is help me like rein that in. You see what I'm saying? Because right. again, the end result for him was suicide. So what would have happened if he, if another disciple was strong enough to have a conversation? If someone else said, brother, I, this was terrible. But we're not going to throw you away. You know what I'm saying? Because, right. I, and, I, and, I, and I think that's, and I really think that's, a, I, and it, does that make sense? Am I making some kind of sense? Yeah, yeah. It, it's a redemption thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, there is redemption. You you know, God is a forgiver. God is, you know, all things. So, just because the people, like, in our hearts, we're quick to throw somebody away. Yeah, yeah. You know, God has always had a merciful, uh, forgiving grace that, humans don't show. Mm -hmm. So had somebody taken that approach with him, absolutely. You know, I mean, yeah. yeah. That, that, <laughs> no, 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 it's real. I, I was and, about and to not, go somewhere else. No, man, I'm just saying, like, I don't know that I would be an advocate for him, you know, being a disciple again. Who knows? Like, I, I can't be the one that <clears> judges that. But at the same time, I guess the greater conversation of it all is that we always stigmatize and damn the suicidal part of Judas with, without thinking about mentally how he suffered before that moment. And right. I think so many times there are people dealing with things in church that we try to, we try to put, we, we misuse and abuse scripture to try to diagnose people with demons when they are really diagnosis. Um, and, <laughs> and I think that is so true. We're always trying to call something out and plead the blood over something that needs a pill or needs, I mean, cause let, let's be real honest. Some, like some people need like behavioral therapy where they deal with emotions and trauma and past experiences and how to navigate life and how to be more passive, how to be more aggressive. Like these are things that we can work through behaviorally. Then there are others who have legit, mental issues <laughs> uh -huh. right who need a diagnosis there are people in the church who i believe are schizophrenic and we're trying to call it a devil and sometimes like those different voices aren't those those aren't different demons talking to you that is something that they need medical care you know what i'm saying to deal with now i do believe we can pray and i do believe that god can help you know, control those things. But the same way that we believe in doctors to heal cancer, the same mm -hmm. way we believe the doctors to heal diabetes, I believe it's the same God who can equip a counselor, a therapist, a psychiatrist <laughs> to, <laughs> to give you the tools and the medicine sometimes necessary to deal with you. Amen. That, that was a word. <laughs> because in, in the church, especially in the black church, yeah. there is no such thing as mental health. It's, mm -mm. you know, you just need to get saved. You know, there's no yeah. such thing as depression or bipolar or anything. It's you need to get saved. Yeah. And, and it's and I think it's a it's a sad stance because if I experience death, yes, I'm going to grieve. And sometimes what that grief looks like, is really different. And oftentimes I know for me, I haven't experienced major grief in a while. Um, when my, my, my uncle passed a few years ago was probably the closest thing that really hit, like really hit home. And, um, even in that process, there were moments where I didn't, I didn't really need, I didn't need your, it's going to be okay. 
I mean, because eventually I know that. But there's a void in my life, <laughs> right? That's never going to yeah. be filled again. There's a void in my mama's life, right? Because I'm a mama's boy. That's never going to be filled again. And I need to be able to have different mechanisms to cope with it. Why do you think, though, the church struggles with giving the saints tools to be able to deal with themselves outside of prayer and faith? That I I believe that that's all they know. They'll bypass the humanistic part of it and just go straight for the spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst thing, in my opinion, that you can tell somebody after you lose someone is everything happens for a reason. I know that mm-hmm. at, at some point, you know, when are you going to just be compassionate and just see that I'm hurting? You know, right. I, I need time to heal. So. And of course, time, they say time heals all wounds and all of that. And that that's all great. But we don't have the compassion for one another as just simple humans to be able to say, you know what, if if I was in that situation, I would feel like this. You know, you don't always have to just say, oh, you know, God's going to take your pain away tomorrow at three o'clock. You know, just have compassion and let the person live in that moment, let them grieve, let them think about the good times and then let them do it in their own time. Exactly. And even when, I mean, let's go back to scripture, right? Even when Lazarus died, we know, we understand why Jesus allowed him to die. Scripture says, so he could be glorified things that nature. But before he performed the miracle, the most famous scripture of all, Jesus wept. The man cried. Mm-hmm. He knew why. Here's the, huh, here's the thank you God for revelation. Here's the thing. You just talked about it. We bypassed the the the, uh, the humanity, right? Right. And even in Jesus's divine divinity, right? I know that was a double, right? <laughs> but even in, in all of his divinity, there, he knew why Lazarus had to die. Mm-hmm. He knew Lazarus was dead, right? You know, to us, because Jesus said he was asleep. But to us, he knew he was dead. He understood the circumstances around him, and in the midst of all of that, he still cried. Because he lost a friend. Like, that was like, how powerful is that, though, right? To know that, like, let's just say, you know, Caitlin, one of your closest friends has passed away. And God told you it's going to be for his glory. And you'll be the one that he's going to use to raise them. But, but when you see them dead, you still are hit with emotion. You are still hit with grief. And I think these are the, these are the little pieces, right, in scripture that we skip over. Because we want to focus on the miracle, which is great. We want to focus on the fact that sometimes God allows things to happen so he can get glory, which is great. And I believe it. But how do we gloss over the fact that God in flesh still mourned even for, if not, if not for anything, but for a moment? Exactly. That's very powerful. (laughs) How can we skip over that? You know what I'm saying? So I think every time we try to look over the humanity of people, we actually do Christianity a disservice. Absolutely. I really think we do it a disservice. So I guess now that you're in therapy, like, have you found yourself navigating, let me ask you this, Christianity any different? Um, And be be honest. (laughs) Has it challenged some of your upbringing? I don't think it's actually challenged my upbringing. It Mm -hmm. has um, actually kind of catapulted me to want a deeper connection with with the Lord. Okay. Uh, And actually, you know, strive for the supernatural and and the Holy ghost and, and things like that, which, um, was not something that I, and it's sad to say, because I grew up in the church. It's not something that I just had to have. Yeah. Um, 
but that's fair. <laughs> putting putting those together and and they really to me don't go hand in hand um in the way that i'm speaking yeah it actually kind of catapulted me to want to do better mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay <laughs> no that no that makes that makes sense because i do think there's a space where you have mental clarity and it allows you to be able to hear god better or see him in ways because like my um i'll be honest my therapist and the church may kill me is a she's she believes in god but she's a she's spiritual and she's a lesbian <laughs> right and the only reason first of all her sexuality doesn't matter in terms of how she's dealing with me um, right because that's not really a thing in our conversations. But the only reason why I know it is because when she was kind of reading me her filth like she often does, uh, she mentioned her partner, then she used the pronoun her. And I was like, oh, okay, learn something new today. Um, but it didn't stop me. But I will, I said all that to say, I have recognized while she may not be a preacher, a minister, or subscribe to being the, the, the holiest of holiest or anything like that. And I know there's a lot of people in the church who will probably be, you know, will say whatever they're going to say based on their ethics, their values. I can still identify how she's being used to help bring me to more clearer spaces right. in dealing with me. And I'm able to say that because, again, we love to say God can use anybody in anything. And if we're going to say that, we have to mean that about anybody. And I believe that a lot of therapists are put on here uh, on earth, just like doctors, to help us navigate through things. So I, I completely agree with you from the space that, um, you know, being in therapy and working out your issues helps you have a different perspective about different things but right. more so than that gives you some type of, I think for me, it gives me a spiritual clarity too. Because again, when I'm not bogged down with, you know, the trauma of the past or whatever, 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 I can actually not drift in my mind when I'm reading my Bible a little bit, you know, a little bit less. I can focus yeah. more on worship because I'm not so like, I'm not so down. And even when I do praise what he's brought me through, I, I can really, I can rev that praise up <laughs> because it wasn't just, it was more than just, you know, the, the New Year's revival moment. It was legit. You know what I'm saying? Like a full deliverance. Like I'm over it, over it. And how freeing is it to be like over something? Yeah. Over something. It, it's the best feeling. It really is. Mm -hmm. So I guess, how have you taken your experiences and then kind of, I guess, encourage others or been an advocate for others to dig into self-care? One of the things that um, I continue to do I teach my Sunday school class every week. Mm -hmm. And since we're not um, physically in church, we just have Wednesday night Bible study on yeah. FaceTime. And of course we talk about the Lord, but, uh, and we talk about our lesson, but at the very end, I asked them, what's one thing that you're going to focus on this week for your mental health? Yeah. And how are you feeling? Because especially everything in the pandemic, you know, they're, they've been stuck at home. They're doing virtual learning, you know, 2020 has just been, uh, just, it's, it's just shaking up everything. <laughs> and, you know, they're young people minds. I'm there to mold them. So that's something that's really important to me. Just having, just asking that one question, like, where are you with your mental health? Um, we've had the pandemic. We lost Kobe this year. Mm -hmm. um, the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, losing all these people and seeing them on video all of that at one time and within just months and weeks apart 
that really can do something to your mental. So just with that, that group of people, you know, I've been able to kind of get things out of them, like asking them, Hey, how are you feeling? What do Mm -hmm. you think about this? Um, Have you thought about talking to somebody sitting on somebody's couch? (laughs) (laughs) And, And, you know, one of my girls was like, yeah, I actually, you know, started going. And I was like, okay, great. She told me her experience. And a lot of my guys were like, I'm a private person. I don't want to, you know, talk about that. And we were able to break down that stigma in that moment. You don't Mm -hmm. have to keep to yourself, Mm -hmm. especially for our young black men. Like that's something that's so important to me because you have to be strong for society. You have to be strong for yourself, for your family. And nobody really has your back, you know? Um, So I really just want to encourage them and the young man and any young man that's even listening to this to, you know, consider talking to somebody. Don't bottle everything in. Write in a journal. You know, seek some type of help other than just keeping everything in yourself. And that's such a thing. And what I found is that there is so much grace in community. Like when you have brothers and sisters who are able to hold you accountable, yeah. call you out on your poopy emoji, and <laughs> <laughs> and things like that. I mean, because even when, because I know the other thing about black people. Let's just talk about it. Black people in self-care, church or not, most of us can't afford it because mm-hmm. therapy ain't cheap. Like oh. let's, let's, let's just start there. It's not cheap. You're talking about sometimes hundreds of dollars per session, if not just a hundred, even if it's just a hundred or 80 bucks a session, that's a grip for somebody who doesn't make a lot of money. Uh, if you don't have insurance, I do know that a lot, some policies don't even qualify you know, mental health as a thing where they cover. Right. So like, I like that's, that's already a barrier. So even if you don't, if you're listening to this, right. And you don't have access to the resources to get into, because I believe everybody needs to sit on somebody's couch at some point in their life. That's just my belief. Uh-huh. Um, but if you don't have access to those resources, I do believe that, you know, if you have a Caitlin, right or somebody in your church or somebody that you can trust you can have those conversations and they can create help create safe spaces where you can be vulnerable and you know that that level of vulnerability isn't going to be abused but i think the challenge with that though is in the church a lot of times our transparency and our vulnerability is abused it gets preached over pulpits oh it gets told it gets told to other people you know what i'm saying and you know when the bible tells us to you know go to your brother and go to your sister and confess your faults i don't think once i confess my faults that that means that you go pour out the faucet of my confession um and i know i'm hurting some church people toes who listening this morning but you know it's it's real and i think we've all been there and it and it has stopped us from befriending people in church sometimes making connections and feeling like that we can have that space to be vulnerable and accountable with other people right and that is something i've definitely had to work on i am i'm a i have a small little clique mm-hmm. of friends i'm not a very open person yeah. and i just started speaking out about like my struggles with uh mental health and depression mm-hmm. and uh actually wanting to be an advocate uh, the first time that I ever talked about it, I think last last February, I got a tattoo um, with a butterfly on it, mm-hmm. and it has a semicolon in the middle. Project semicolon means that your story isn't over. Like, yeah. yes, this happened in my life, but your story isn't over. Mm-hmm. It's not a period. It's not the end of your sentence. 
And that spoke volumes to me because I used to be suicidal. I used to say, you know, I don't want to live this life anymore. But, you know, God allowed me to get over that hump. And I'm, I'm super appreciative of that. So I just wanted people to know and be encouraged. Like, even though things may be going on in your life, it's not the end of your story. Mm-hmm. And I finally posted that. It took me 31 days to write a post about it. Okay. And I was so frightened i'm afraid to just be on social media and be just completely transparent because you know well i do have church people that follow me on facebook and Mm -hmm. you know what are they gonna say what are you know they need to build a couch too Mm -hmm. (laughs) how are they gonna feel about (laughs) me especially how are they gonna feel about me about teaching their kids you know Mm -hmm. am i even qualified so i I had a lot of self-doubt even with hitting that post button, you know, on Instagram and Facebook. And, you know, surprisingly, the reaction was inspiring. And I I, I think it's, I think it's, you know, know, I I heard you. And I I think it's because even though the church still has a ways to go, I think a lot of people are loosening up on just a lot of things that were stigmas. I believe the Bible is right. So for anybody who may have misconstrued anything that I've said, like you can miss me with that. If, and I've said it before. If you got issues with me, you go out with me, me in my comments and my email, my inbox is always open. But, <laughs> you know, I, I am a self-proclaimed Peter. But what I, <laughs> what, I, what, I, what I am saying, though, is that I believe the Bible. I believe the tenets of the Bible. I believe it is the only infallible written word of God. You know, all, all of that that I was taught. I believe those things. However, I do believe that um, a lot of things that are in the text that we brought out like today are things that we gloss over, things right. that we don't mention. Um, I do believe that sometimes we demonize a lot of things without understanding it. I do believe that sometimes we disqualify people going to your point. Or if you could, you know, think about how I just talked about my therapist, we disqualify people because of their quote unquote qualities, but it does not exempt them for being able to help in certain areas. Um, My last CEO was atheist. I wasn't finna quit my job. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? His Mm -hmm. check still cash. So I do think that we have to sometimes, (laughs) I do think that sometimes we have to definitely really compartmentalize and, and and be wise about what we allow in our spaces. Now, I don't know that I would take spiritual advice from my, therapist per se but that's not her job you know what i'm saying and even in your space of dealing with kids and sunday school i don't think it is your job per se to be their parent but if you are a trusted source there is a way of guidance right and 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 a level of influence that you can have and your story you've been a teenager in the same church that they grew up in right we Uh were we were were teenagers together in that joint um so we know (laughs) under the same path i love my pastor you know saying but but all of that means that you kind of understand what they're going through top down spiritually right and and in many ways um i will say a little bit worse because when we were 12 13 14 15 16 17 i even take it all the way up there was a greater number of people within our age cohort and that's missing not just in the church that we grew up in but in churches you don't see a whole lot of youth youth like i go to one of the most progressive churches in atlanta and our mm-hmm. teen church teen church is still like it's not like you got 500 people over here you got 20 teen. <laughs> wow. 20 now some of that is because it's a young church so like you know, the, the most of the kids like children's church, we the ones having sex with like rabbits and having babies because because <laughs> we're young, we're in our twenties and thirties, right? So yeah. you would think like the teens come from thirties, forty year olds, whatever. But that is to say that 
you don't see a lot of massive youth departments like you used to. And, right. you know, so having someone who's younger and being in that space um, is really helpful. Um, as we round out the conversation, I'm mean, actually these last two, is that sometimes intimidating kind of being in that space and kind of being that advocate, so to speak? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Um, I am comfortable with them because, you know, the kids in our church, I've literally been around them since before they were born. I've seen each and every one of their mothers pregnant. So yeah, we babysat um, and wiped diapers, changed diapers. Correct. <laughs> Got bit and everything, Malik. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so it's not intimidating because you know they're they're my family. We're not related, but they are my yeah. family. It is because I have so much anxiety about one wrong thing that I can say can yeah. shape. A young person and That's I try right. to be very careful but one thing that they'll tell you if you ask any of my kids I always say I'm going to be as honest as possible and I've told them some real life situations with with me because I don't want them to see me as this perfect person or anything like that I want them to know that I've had faults yeah. this is my testimony I've you know been picked up by the grace of God and we overcome him. Who is he? Will Pastor Roger say the devil <laughs> by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony? And mm -hmm. I think so many times we we try to gloss over that testimony part, mm -hmm. and or not gloss over because we we, we want to tell it, but we want to tell this this pretty version. We want to go exactly from not saved to saved, and everything was okay. But no, sometimes that was some that was some issues in there. Like when I got my when my now wife got pregnant with our first son, I was a whole preacher. Licensed minister, licensed minister, right? And I'm not condoning. I'm not condoning any of that. What I am saying was that I was a preacher struggling with my flesh and my mm -hmm. hormones, and I felt like I didn't have a space to be honest about that. So what did I do? Sex, sex, sex. And I just, I just did it. I did it. You know what I'm saying? But, but again. And I'm not blaming anyone, but what I am saying is that it's so important that we have these spaces where you can't be honest and have, because I was able to tell that testimony to a group of young men in my former church when I led this um, teen kind of young men of valor. And I led, yeah. I led those sessions and I was just talking through it and letting them know that like you can be saved and still have all the fields. Right. Right. Just because I love God don't mean that my hormones automatically shut off or women stop being attractive like that. That's not what that meant. It just meant that I needed more prayer. But OK, there were times where I prayed. Let's just because we, we, we grown. Every time I prayed, I was still horny. Every time I was I prayed and I still, you know, one no DMs to slide in there, but I was still sending out text messages or whatever, whatever, whatever. You know what I'm saying? But where was the brothers who could hold me accountable, who could right. say A, B and C? Right. And I felt like I didn't have that. Uh, because a lot of the people who are around me, you know, honest, but doing some of the same things that I was doing. So they weren't necessarily helpful. Um, but I love the fact that we have these spaces now and we are a lot more open and vulnerable and transparent. Now, I'm a believer that every, you know, I heard Prophet Tal Hall say that there was in the details. So every single nuanced detail ain't everybody's business. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's just, I, I, I will die on that. But I do believe, again, when I say I'm a down that hill, it's not the hill that Terry Crews is on. I have to just keep reminding the saints that we are <laughs> on different hills. I will not be associated with him. <laughs> but oh, no, seriously. But seriously, I do think that it's super important that the church uh, starts to implement spaces of community and transparency because I do believe that takes us to the next level of growth and development and deliverance and longevity in Christ. I don't think that sometimes we would have to 
we would see less people struggling with the same issues if we had spaces where they can be accountable and transparent. Right. That's and, so true. And that's the final word I'm going to give y'all on today. Hallelujah, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> but as we wrap up, Caitlin, tell the people, this was a great conversation. Thank you so yeah. much for being vulnerable on my it. platform. Um, and I know that we probably can go on and on and on, but I'm going to let the people finish getting dressed for Sunday morning and get to church after this version of Sunday school that they just had. But as we do wrap up, tell the people, um, what are some things that you're doing, you know, this weekend or this coming up week in terms of self-care? Well, this weekend I'm, I'm going to work. Okay. And, and I'm going to church. <laughs> uh, but after that, you know, I just really plan on coming home, doing some cleaning. Uh, that's something that I have, found joy in uh so doing some cleaning burning my brand new candle raspberry mimosa from bath and body works it is divine shameless plug no if y'all ain't into candles get into these candles they are amazing i'm with it amen so um yeah just really burning some candles spending some time with myself and listening to uh some worship music got you that's that's dope oh so speaking of plugs myron butler did a tribute album to andre crouch now, you may be looking at me like because Andre Crouch, but it is good. It is so good. It is so good. It's called My Tribute. There's a couple of like two or three that you can press skip on. But beyond those, <laughs> it is a solid, solid album. So I'll add that to your worship rotation. Uh, specifically, okay. the Andre Crouch medley. That thing will take you up. And the one, um, the blood, that's going to take you up. Yeah, and the one with Kimberell. Kimberell is, ooh. She could be messy, but the girl can sing, and she, she can. sings. She sings on that. But anyway, enough about enough of that plug. Uh, for me, I am going to use my foam roller and just really stretch because I've been I've been in this six <laughs> <laughs> I've been in this six week. Um, this is week five. This six week workout challenge, Caitlin. I've been eating super clean, which is a good thing. But I am I am sick of revamping meals. I am tired of eating turkey sausage and <laughs> and plain toast and all these other things to you know get the desired you know results that I want. But all that said too, I am sore because I'm working out sometimes two times a day, and I work out. Re- if anybody follows me on Instagram, I work out really hard. I do some intense do. stuff. <laughs> you do. So by yourself. Am, yeah. By- I am going to I am going to continue working out, make sure I take like a day to just stretch and maybe take a soak with a candle on the counter. And maybe that's something I'll do too to make sure these muscles ain't super aching on me. But uh look at the got the candle going now. Um cranberry wood is my favorite, but that usually come out around like the uh like oh. the fall, fall, winter time. Uh and they be sold out because ninjas like they cranberry wood too. So <laughs> So again, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining. Thank you for your vulnerability. Um, I think this was super important. I hope that it helped. Um, if you or someone you know is dealing with something, please, we're going to leave a few resources in the description in the show notes. Um, some of them I'll say right here. You can go to Therapy for Black Girls. They have, I think, a site called Therapy for Black Men now. Psychology Today. Um, mm-hmm. Call your um, insurance provider and see do they cover it. You would be surprised. And even if they don't cover it, they may have EAP, where they'll cover up to like sometimes up to six sessions um, yeah. for free. Uh, some some I've seen some people insurance do like three, but you can get it. And then sometimes because you're using EAP after your free sessions, it'll still be discounted. So just figure out what resources you have. I'm going to say this. It is great to have Jesus, but you don't have to struggle on this earth by yourself. Amen. All right. 
Hallelujah to Jesus. All right. So let's go into our final segment. Let's wrap it up and get these people to go home and let's have the benediction. You couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Uh, you could never ever bring me down. Couldn't do it then, couldn't do it now. Wow, that was such an impactful and motivating and vulnerable conversation. And I hope that it really helped some of you all rethink the ways in which we look at our approach to Christianity and mental health and understanding that duality is a thing, right? That we don't necessarily have to be like, oh, because I go to therapy, I can't be spiritual. I can't be rooted in my faith or that because I really believe in my spirituality, I trust God that I also I don't need therapy. I think they can coexist in the same world. As a matter of fact, they should coexist in the exact same world. And that is the point that we want to press today, that modern discipleship means that after the altar is over, that there are moments and there are people that are called and assigned to us to help us walk through this process of deliverance and accountability and help us be whole and healthy, right? So that we can live out and be the best version of ourselves that we were called and designed to be. So I'm just super excited about the level of freedom that this conversation possibly could have had for someone and the level of enlightenment that it has given someone to be able to rethink the ways in which they approach their mental health journey. All right, let's get ready to pray and we can give you your Sunday back. God, we thank you. We bless you and we magnify you for this day. It is another Sunday that you allowed us to be alive and we really give you the glory for allowing us to see it because one of the biggest flexes in 2020 is waking up every single morning. So for that alone, we give you glory and we say, Thank you. So, God, right now, as we continue to work through our issues and to rethink the ways in which we um, achieve um, wholeness and healthy minds, God, give us the resources and the tools to be able to navigate those spaces in a healthy way. Give us the tools to be able to navigate those spaces in a way that will most benefit us and navigate them in a way that brings about wisdom and clarity and precision in thought and action. God, we thank you that we don't live in a monolith, monolithic society that says that we can only be one thing, but you have given us the grace to be able to be fully rooted in you and fully committed to the work of being better people. We love you and we give you the glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me for another week of Sunday School. I want to thank Caitlin again for this really important conversation and her vulnerability. It does not go unnoticed. And I am super appreciative that you were able to share in the way that you did on this platform. I am grateful and privileged to have you here. Um, by way of announcement, I think we only have two more episodes of Sunday School left. This is the end of our mini series, so uh, we're coming toward the end of it, rather. So we'll be able to see how we're going to approach our next steps. But in the meantime, catch us every single Thursday as well for our main episodes of the Jigsaw, uh, where we will have a new co-host, Brian Hare. We announced it. He'll be starting on September 10th, so I'm super excited about that. And just keep in contact with us on Instagram at the Jigsaw Podcast. You can write in and email us if you like at the Jigsaw Podcast podcast at gmail.com we'll be sure to get back with you love you all enjoy the rest of your day happy sunday <laughs> <laughs>